Welcome to another episode of Podcast of Horror, our Simpsons Treehouse of Horror podcast, our short-run special series for our 2016 celebration at Neozaz.com. I am Matt, and joining me once again are Derek. Hello, everybody. And Karen. Ahoy, hoy. Are you happy now? <laughs> are you happy? I know you're a little bent out of shape, and I messed up the intro last time, and you didn't get to do yeah. your ahoy, hoy. Yeah, mixed me up. We got three new segments to discuss in this episode And this week's episode also falls into our War of the Worlds week coverage So to help celebrate that as well and be part of that week This is my pick from the draft This was my free pick And it is from, it's one of our later ones I don't know if we've gotten this late into uh, Treehouse of Horrors But it's these 18th season of The Simpsons, the fourth episode in the 17th Treehouse of Horrors. No, I believe this is the latest one we've yeah. done. Okay. Now, I need to check something. I think I might have messed up because I started watching the intro of one and I realized I was watching the wrong one. Let me just check something real quick here. Nope, that's right. Yeah, this is my first uh, addition to Treehouse of Horrors through this podcast of a segment that is outside or taking place after Halloween and... I already hate that, and now I'm, like, perpetuating that issue by covering this episode. Way to go. Yeah, so I'm a, what is it, a a self-hating fan? Yep. Worst (laughs) episode ever. (laughs) So, yes, this is a very late episode. It is from November 5th, 2006, and it is the one called The Day the Earth Looks Stupid, and it is because it is their War of the Worlds parody, which is why I'm picking it for the War of the Worlds Week. Pretty, pretty simple. Uh, the opening segment. Now, this is I actually had written out the opening segment and realized I had actually opened uh, and watched the opening for Treehouse of Horror sixteen from year seventeen, I, I, season seventeen. I picked the wrong year, wrote out all my notes, and then realized I was watching the wrong one. So I guess I'm going to have to save those notes for later because it is a good one. Uh, this opening for the episode was just the Tales from the Crypt homage. With the Tales of the Crypt music and this camera going down into the mansion, and then uh, it's something, someone, whoever's holding the camera trips, and you hear Homer falling down the steps, and you get to see Mr. Burns as a crypt keeper with the same terrible puns the crypt keeper used to always use. He says, Hello, boys and girls, and calls himself Master of Ceremonies. And then we end with Mo being having the Iron Maiden shut on him. And as Mo himself points out, his blood actually spells out Treehouse of Horror 17. <laughs> which was a nice little addition to that opening. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, touch. I liked how impressed he was with how smart <laughs> yeah, his blood was. Right. <laughs> yeah. But besides that, we have no thread. We just have three segments, and this is the third segment of it. And it is, I guess, you want? I, I, I called it a period piece, but I, I mean that in it was like they aged everything to look like it was of the time period of the 1938s. It's done in sepia tone. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Nostalgic and stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, very first note I have is that it, well, it is the, the, we have the pan over the nuclear power plant. The cars and the buildings are of the time. And then we get a title card that says Springfield 1938. Now, being the obsessive nerd I am with all the shows we do, I had to look this up because the opening shot is of the nuclear power plant. Well, the first nuclear power plant in the U.S. was fired up in 1958 in Chippingport, Pennsylvania. So, already, we're 
historically inaccurate in this episode. <laughs> All right, get Matt groaning on the phone. We got to <laughs> figure this out. I actually literally heard the squelching of Karen's eyes rolling as I was explaining that. <laughs> but other than that, we once we get past that, we have a lot of good period gags, which I have listed throughout this episode. And the first one starts with what I thought was the Quickie and Sons General Store and the Super Lotto Jackpot of $18. Mm. Yes. I had to go back and look at that because my my brain automatically put million at the end of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, no, that was only <laughs> yeah. $18. Yeah. The um, first line, the first notable line of this is is might be one of my favorites. I don't know if I really, I don't know if I really have a, this is the episode, this is the line I think of the episode in this one. But it, I guess if I have one, it's probably this because I was, as soon as I heard it, I go, oh, I love that line. It's when they're in line for bread. And Lenny and Carl are talking about the Great Depression. I don't get it. What's so great about this depression? Well, I like how everything's sepia toned. Makes me feel all nostalgic. I never thought it would come to this when I fought in the First World War. First World War? Why do you keep calling it that? Oh, you'll see. <laughs> yeah. So I think if I have a line of an episode that I actually do remember from this, it's probably this one. So from there, we go back to Evergreen Terrace, and Marge and Homer are enjoying some light dance music on the radio, and there's a news interruption about giant metal cylinders landing outside major cities. The news brief explains that the cylinders are from Earth's closest neighbor, which Homer questions Flanders, (laughs) but it actually means Mars, and then this is where Homer declares that this is a war of the worlds. And then this is the first... Head scratching, maybe the only head scratcher of this episode. He looks out the window and says, Good thing we got the sun on our side. I'm not quite sure what he means by that. I think it's just that Homer is stupid enough to think that Mars doesn't have a sun, oh. not realizing we're in the so, same solar system. That I must have, yeah, I must <laughs> surprisingly not, was not able to think like Homer in that moment because I was like, But it's we, it's everyone's sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I do like how he instantly gets angry at the sun when a cloud goes <laughs> yeah, by. It's true. Yes. That actually hammers home exactly what Karen said then. Yeah. Now I think about it. Yeah. That's almost like a grandpa moment there when he yeah. gets mad at the sun. <laughs> yeah. there, wasn't there an episode we talked about where grandpa was screaming at clouds, or is that just a regular yeah, there's episode? There's a newspaper there's... slipping. Okay. Yes. Old man yells at clouds. Oh, that's right. Yep. <laughs> so it runs in the family. Yeah. Well, of course it does. Right. True. We have yet to pinpoint the exact point where Homer or uh, Bart is yelling at clouds. So out, what's that? We will. He will. Yeah. <laughs> we go back outside, and Otto's driving down the street, and this is one of the best visual period piece gags. He's got two of those like art radios, small ones, tied to both sides of his head instead of his <laughs> headphones. I th- yeah, I think this is my second favorite time period <laughs> gag in the whole okay. thing. Yeah, and uh, we have the whole Orson Welles play panning out and this is i mean they're actually doing a fairly good job recreating the kind of if you don't know the story of war of the worlds they're kind of doing a good job of giving you a super cliff note truncated thing to kind of help tell this story this is a difficult story to tell and i have this in my notes at the end if you don't know war of the worlds but they're doing the best they can with like this nine minute segment um but i actually could go on way too long about that so i'll just move forward we cut to the schoolhouse and Mrs. Krabappel's class is listening. We get to the scene where the Martians appear and the kids scream, and we get another great period piece joke. Settle down, children. Have a cigarette to calm your nerves. 
<laughs> and she starts, That's my first favorite is it? time series gag. Yes. Yeah, it's such a great gag. I love that she starts handing them out. Handing them out is the best part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so from there, we cut over to Moe's, and we're actually in the alien attack. Moe rallies the locals, and uh, we have a, uh, another bit with the random violence bit where. Uh, I don't have the line written down, but Mo said it's only like run those aliens out of the town like we did the Irish. And Barney said, hey, I'm Irish, gets clubbed with a bat, and then realizes, oh, I'm Polish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from there, we cut over to KBBL, where Orson Welles in the Mercury, th- Mercury Theater of the Air, I'm assuming, is performing. And this is, this is I, I won't be able to put the clip in because it's visual, so I'll have to set it up. And this is actually, now that I think about it, I do remember this. But this is the one... This is absolutely the one I think of. I think of this episode. They do the uh, it's the sound effects guy bit, the where they used to have to do all the sound effects live in the studio as they were going, you know, before digital, before <laughs> quick uh, playing tape and all that stuff. And we have Orson Welles setting up each line. He goes, "They're grinding up human body. They're grinding up the bodies of human beings." And they cut over the SFX SFX guy is running a mixer through a bowl, bowl of cornflakes. Then he says, now they're riding horses in the rain. And the sound effects guy is pouring out a, uh, uh, what is that? A water, uh, what do you call those? A water uh, sprinkling bucket? can. A what? A sprinkling can. Okay, a sprinkling can. Like into a box and he's got two coconut halves on his arm and he's clapping them against the, against the table. Then Orson Welles says, now they're playing the xylophone while bowling near an airport. And there's a slight pause and the sound effects guy holds up a sign that just says, screw you. And yeah. he walks out. Yeah, that was my favorite gag of this whole <laughs> this whole segment. Yeah, that is the that is the one. Now guy. that I got to that, that's definitely the one over the the grandpa line's good, but this is that is my favorite little bit. So we're inside the studio. We're kind of at we're at a music break. Orson Welles and one of the crew are discussing kind of the how this is just a play. And meanwhile, we cut to the streets of Springfield, and it's absolute chaos, mostly led by Homer. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and is it Lenny that points out we haven't actually seen the aliens? And he says, that's alien talk and shoots them? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I thought it was Lenny. And then there was a disco stew appearance as Big Band Stew. Big Band Stew says 23 skidoo. Boom. I don't know why he <laughs> shot him. I think it was for the bad pun. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Or just because it was Big Band Stew, which is, that's fine too. Wow, that rhymed and I didn't really play that out i was gonna say i didn't mean to but i didn't want to keep the rhyme going that's alien talk there yeah, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh there's a uh mayor appearance is a nice little touch starting off with the fdr quote um whether you know this or not the original war of the world had an fdr impersonator during the airing and fdr was the president at the time so it was a nice tie into the time and the material they were covering Chief Wiggum jumps to the logical assumption. Boys, we have to assume our guns are useless. Throw them in the lake. Good. Now the police car. Sometimes I just love Chief Wiggum's thought process. Deductive reasoning? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, at this point, Marge has a solution. Um, where she got this from, I really have no idea, but I guess it, if they're just talking about killing humans on the pl- radio play, I understand. Uh, she says that they're only killing the humans, so everyone should pretend to be like animals. And at Sideshow Mel's direction, they all remove their clothes and wallow in filth. And I feel I need to mention at this point, point, there is an unusual large amount of filth in the courtyard around the Jebediah Springfield statue. 
Yeah, suddenly yeah, I out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enough for the entire town to wallow in. Yeah, and did uh, what's his name? Did Ralph, Ralph didn't meow? Did he? I think I expected him to, to meow because of the old Lord of the Rings thing where he painted his face like Peter Chris from Kiss, but he didn't. <laughs> I wish he had. What a nice tie back to that. Yeah. So Lisa comes by asking what everyone's doing. She explains that it was just a radio play, just a, a hoax. Homer has a great moment where he says, I'm proud of what I achieved during my rioting. And he holds up the severed head of the sea captain and adds, it was either kill him or kill no one. Of which he's already killed Lenny and... Uh, Disgusting. Too. It's true, good point. <laughs> so. Are they dead now? They just might have been badly wounded. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you got a good point. Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, above the Earth, there's a real pair of aliens watching. Kang and Kodos. Ha ha ha! Foolish Earthlings! Now is the perfect time to strike. They'll think it's another hoax. Uh, the aliens attack. Lisa seems to be the only one that sees something. And as she's pointing it out, no one believes her. Orson Welles pulls up to the police station saying that this time it's real and we get the this is this actually made me roll my eyes when uh, Chief Wiggum says this is no hoax this is a real invasion oh uh, yeah why don't I just punch you in the nose bud nose bud I literally just kind of groaned at that even though yeah. I knew that line was coming again so no one believes Orson Welles or Lisa until Chief Wiggum is grabbed by the head by an alien has his entire innards sucked out uh, his remains are dropped to the ground, and we have possibly the best line from Lou in any Halloween episode, which was, Well, they didn't eat the skin. It's, that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then from there, this is where it just kind of just goes. I don't think they knew how to end this, because we jump ahead three years later, and then we see Kang traversing the ruins of the town in his own personal tripod walking platform, which I will actually commend them for using because this is an element from the original H.G. Wells story, but besides that, it's a really weird transition. And then we have an even weirder ending, which is basically a political statement for the time. I mean, the time meaning 2006 now, not 1938. Yeah. King, your report? Oh, uh, well, the Earthlings continue to resent our presence. You said we'd be greeted as liberators. Don't worry, we still have the people's hearts and minds. I don't know. I'm starting to think Operation Enduring Occupation was a bad idea. We had to invade. They were working on weapons of mass disintegration. Sure they were. And that's it. This is a really weird ending. Yeah. It's very time sensitive. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it is. It's... This one's odd, and I will be perfectly honest here, and I don't think it's any surprise. You guys probably figured it out watching this. The only reason I picked this was to cover it cover it because it's a War of the Worlds parody. I was looking at a lot of different things to cover during War of the Worlds week. Remember that The Simpsons had this, uh, Treehouse of Horrors had this, and we were doing this series. I thought it would be a nice tie-in, but mm-hmm. other than that, this is not at all one of my favorites. This is a rare yeah. exception where I did not pick this because it's one of my favorites. It's not the worst. Uh right. I'll say that for it, but if if you don't know War of the Worlds, some of the more clever jokes, not even funny, just like, ah, jokes will be missed, and yeah, other than that, I really have no reason to watch this. 
So with that, I'll just go ahead and give it my review, and I'm just going to give it 2.5. Uh, we'll give it 2.5 alien tentacles out of five. It's not wow. the best. It's not the worst. Some holiday seasons I watch it. Most of the times I won't. Kind of middle of the road in every way, and possibly the weirdest ending that we talked about on any of these. Okay. <laughs> Karen's like, hmm, <laughs> how insulting hmm. do I want to get? No, no, I agree. It, it, this is not this actual. This whole episode of Trials of Horrors is not very memorable. And I, I know when you picked this, I, I think both Derek and I were kind of like, "What?" Yeah, kind of question what what it was. And then when you said it was a War of the Worlds parody, it was like, "Okay, I don't quite remember them doing that." But if you say so, and then when I watched it. I vaguely remember having seen it before, but yeah, it's not one that I seek out. And and looking back at the whole, the other segments on the whole episode, it's this episode of Treehouse of Horrors is just kind of falls flat, I think, altogether. So I would, I give it a three tentacles. Um, I did have to go back and watch it a couple times because the Orson Welles voice was bugging me to no end. Okay. I knew I'd heard it before and i'm like where have i heard it and so i finally closed my eyes when he was talking it finally dawned on me that it was brain yep, from pinky yep. in the brain and that was the uh point of the voice of brain i think way back when was to be orson wells yeah yeah that yeah. or any of those episodes of the critic where where they would have yeah. orson wells selling <laughs> yeah. frozen peas oh right yeah yeah <laughs> So I that was the only reason I had to watch it twice was because it was. I was wondering where you're going with that. I'm like, you watched it more than once. My yeah, God. Was, I picked this and I was done after one view. Yeah, only because that voice was it was driving me nuts, and I I had to figure it out. So yeah, I I would have to give it. Uh, I'm going to go with a three as well. I got to be honest. When you picked this one, I I didn't remember this one, and I really thought it was the the episode where. Um, the the smart people get sent up into one rocket oh. and the dumb people get sent <laughs> up into another. And I kept thinking, why the hell is he picking one with like Tom Arnold? That's terrible. <laughs> and then I didn't even remember this one. I started watching it and I'm like, I, I, I don't, it took a little while for it to click in. But, mm -hmm. you know, I'll give it a three because it definitely did have its funny moments. You know, uh, that Foley gag routine was was perfect. Yeah. But. Yeah. But yeah, it, you know, it, once we get up into those later seasons, it it just they started to take a a serious nosedive. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I would say it from it for me definitely the the time period gags are kind of what save it a little bit. Those are probably the yeah. best laughs. Yeah. yeah, the grandpa one is maybe the one of the best lines. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I I didn't pick it because it's my. I I'd said it was my favorite. I mean, I'm glad we included it. Included it with the War of the World stuff, but you know, had I this not fell into that, I would have not picked this. So I'm not happy or unhappy we covered it. It's it's done. We don't have to do it again. <laughs> this is probably the weakest pick of of all the ones we're covering. So yeah, uh, we've had some highlights. This is a low light, but looking at what we have to come yet to cover, it's now yeah. we, we've got. That's the hump to get over. Now we're into some not only better stuff than this, but I think better than everything we've talked about. So this is kind of like the calm before the the good storm, which we might as well just get into. So I believe Karen's up next, right? Yep. All right. Which one are you doing for this episode? 
This episode, uh, Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. Oh, that's <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to save this till dead last or not. Either way, your, your last two choices are good. This one I've been waiting for. I okay, love this good. one. <laughs> All right. This is Season 7, Treehouse of Horrors, episode uh, 6. Uh, we did Attack of the 50-Foot Eyesore was also from this season. Yep. So I'm sure we talked about the opening on that one. Uh, this is one aired... 10 October 29th back in 95 uh, that's the year I graduated high school so oh my god so, <laughs> yeah every time I see that it's like oh god that was that was too long ago I'm not gonna say how long ago people can do the math I'm sure they can they'd have to know how old I am and that would make you <laughs> I'll just let it go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's not still in Florida right nope <laughs> no, no you can tell can't you <laughs> Anyway, the segment opens um, with Bart and Santa's little helper playing Frisbee in the front yard, but it's not drawn or animated like a regular Simpsons episode. It's more animated like a a Hanna-Barbera slash Warner Brothers cartoon, where it's like almost somewhat saturated in color. Um, The outlines are like a slightly different color from the color that it's outlining as opposed to the black outline. So it makes it even like a little more cartoonish, for, younger looking. For some reason, I find everything rounded. Yes, I, I don't yeah. know yeah, why. That too. But yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. It's, 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 things are a little softer, not softer. Quite. That's a good way to yeah. say it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they pop off the screen a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, and um, Santa's little hopper even even talks to Bart as if he's like Mister Peabody. Yeah. When he uh, throws the frisbee, he throws the frisbee like a person back to Bart. At which point. Bart's the one that can't catch it, even though he tries to catch it like a dog. <laughs> it <laughs> smacks him in the head, and he has the it has it has the obligatory birdies around the knot that grows yeah. five inches off his head, and the, his eyes roll back, and it has no sail in in instead of the pupils. Um, I like I I kind of like that opening because it it gives homage to a lot of where they take some of their ideas from in the. Yeah, they always give a throwback to like the Flintstones and the Hanna Barbera era and all that. So I like that they did it this way. This opening, like the first few seconds, always gets. I've seen, I've seen this. I don't know how many times, but every time it opens, I'm always like, "What? What's going on?" Yeah. At first, it, at, every time, and then once it gets into it, I'm like, "Oh, okay." And now I remember. But I, without right. fail, even this viewing, I was like, "What? What are they doing?" It, it, and it's like, "Oh, yeah, yep, falls into place." I did the same thing today really? when I watched it. I was like, <laughs> "Something's a little off." And yeah, then, it's very and then it picks up, and you're like, "Oh, yeah." Um, so at that point, um, well, Bart's laying on the ground. We see a shadowy figure with like pronged, pointy objects. Looks almost like a a knife glove. And Bart screams, and uh, you do the the eyes popping out and getting real big. Yeah, because he, he sees something, and uh, it has that 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 horn sound effect. In the background, <laughs> yeah. like they would in the Warner Brothers show, when the the uh, camera pans, we find that it's it's Willie with a rake, but he's dressed just like Freddy yeah. from the Nightmare on Elm Street, which I love. I love that the immediately dressed him, you like this right off the bat. You're you know what you're this is about. Um, he did the the brown fedora and the the striped sweater. At that point, they turn back to Bart and he holds up that a yipe sign instead of yelling again. <laughs> 
My only question for this scene is that the shadow clearly the claws move, but it's a rake. How does that happen? Oh, it could have been that one of those flimsy like lake oh, okay. rakes, and there is a breeze. I'm sorry. The correct answer was it's a dream, Matt. It's a dream. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's only a cartoon. I realized as I was asking the question, I was like, "Oh, I already have the answer. I shouldn't have wrote this down." <laughs> oh, so, so Willie gives a nice little catchphrase. What to rake your acquaintance? <laughs> <laughs> and last sinisterly takes a swipe at Bart and right at that moment Bart wakes up. So we figure out it's a nightmare. Um he sighs a uh a sigh of relief for about a split second until he pulls down a blanket and notices he's got rake marks all across his his little chubby belly. Um <laughs> uh, and in the background we have Homer yelling Bart! Is that you? Yes. Take out the garbage. Yep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, the fact that you think for one second Homer is somewhat concerned and then realize now that he's just, you know, the he, usual Homer. He was concerned he the garbage wasn't taken out yet. Right. Yeah. Good <laughs> point. Like, oh, he's finally awake. That was the urgency in his voice. Yeah. He didn't want to get that ooey garbage water on his slippers. Oh, ew. Yeah. I don't blame him for that. Yeah. It's gross. Uh, so then we jump to the playground where Lisa and. Bart are talking, uh, Bart's regaling a nightmare to her, and we find out that that the, they're talking about Willie, the groundskeeper who mysteriously disappeared. And uh, Lisa uh, notes that, you know, he came, he came to her in his dream, but she, he got her with the hedge clippers yeah. and cut off some of her hair points, which she holds up, and it scans back, and the two points are missing, but before that gag, she had all of her hair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, a little continuity issue there. I think that's like one of the critiques that I had for this mm-hmm. episode. Not that it actually took anything away from it, because I never noticed it until I was watching it this time through. It was probably a strategic, uh, actually, it was probably a conscious plan, too, because it would have gave right. away the joke before so, they made yeah. the joke. Yeah. So she holds up her hair points and... Um, then Nelson walks by. <laughs> he's all shiny. He's like, he ran his floor buffer over me. I like tell we all laughed before Karen revealed the joke. Because we know, <laughs> know exactly where it was going. You're just waiting for yeah. that moment. <laughs> I thought that was the best. And we see Sherry and Terry were there. She, They were both gotten in their dream. They have some slashes in their dresses. Ralph is there with a his arm in a sling and a cast. Um, Millhouse is standing there, but it doesn't look like anything... That he's been gotten yet, even though he was standing there talking about it. So, yeah. But it may have been something that we they just didn't visually well, give us. has so many problems, it's hard to notice him outright. That's true. It could have been something and they just yep. chalk it up to <laughs> allergic to chocolate exactly. or something. <laughs> At that point, Skinner comes out from behind a tree. <laughs> Poor Skinner. <laughs> Such a disaster with words. Yeah. And it tells the children, <laughs> children, I couldn't help monitoring your conversation. There's no mystery about Willie why he simply disappeared. Now, let's have no more curiosity about this bizarre cover up. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I was like, you're good until yep. that last few words. Says one thing too many in these yes. episodes. Yes. 
So we jump into class. Um, Krabappel is handing out a standardized test saying, you know, this is nothing to your future. Um, you have three hours. And before she can even finish her sentence and handing out the test, Martin has finished. And he's like, I'm done. And she's like, Ugh. all right, just put your head down. Sit quietly. And he's like, yay. I am the wondrous wizard of Latin. I am a dervish of declension and a conjurer of conjugation with a million hit points and maximum charisma. This dream is pretty epic, you gotta admit. Yeah. <laughs> if I dreamt like this, oh, forget it. Yeah, no, it my was, dreams are it, never that interesting. I like just dream of stuff that actually really happens. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. dreaming the cats are running back and forth. I wake up, the cats are running back and forth. Well, that was a waste <laughs> of time. And as he's conjugating the word to die, Willie appears to him. Ha ha! to die! Morit, he, she, or it dies! Maurice, you Die. <laughs> You've mastered a dead tongue, but can you handle a live one? And strangles him with his tongue. <laughs> At that point, of course, he, he dies in the middle of class in front of all the children. We jump to him. He's on the gurney and lunch lady slash nurse Doris is starting to wheel him out. Wheel him out quietly. It's best the children don't see him. Ah! Oh, just get it out of here. Not into the kindergarten. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear even higher shrieks. Screws. Yes. Oh. That scene of Martin Martin dying, that's actually kind of frightening. Yeah. That screw that last screams he give out gives out is blood curdling. Yeah, and it's very, they contort his body and everything. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's right. It's pretty frightening. That for, is, that's, that's some pretty well, a well done scene, I think, that is like just not yeah. as lighthearted as most of the episode is. Right. right. I did like the instant rigor mortis, too. That's true. Yes. Yeah. He couldn't yeah, move he's from still that in that position. same pose. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when the hamster dies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that poor hamster dies a lot. <laughs> so of course Lisa and Bart go running to Marge and Homer telling them that Martin died in school today where Marge responds with well I don't know what that has to do with groundskeeper Willie yep. and Bart points out that they didn't say anything about groundskeeper Willie uh, <laughs> so Marge starts regaling the story of what happened it all started on the 13th hour of the 13th day of the 13th month. We were there to discuss the misprinted calendars the school had purchased. <laughs> oh, lousy smart weather. I could have used that yesterday. Oh, uh, it's a little cold up there? Oh, it's yeah. very it's rainy. here. It got down to 60. Sorry, guys. My mic just decided to. No, I thought, <laughs> I thought if everybody's like, okay. Derek was all pissed off about my weather jug and went, I'm out of here. <laughs> 60 my ass. No, I thought my maybe mic decided to jump off the table. Oh, okay. <laughs> so after Homer makes that statement, he reads a sign above the thermostat that says, do not touch Willie. Do not touch Willie. Good advice. He takes that as very good advice. Yes. <laughs> and that from 13th hour the 13th day of the 13th month all the way to do not touch willie i can't pinpoint one so that entire sequence but, is yes. my favorite bit from this yeah. ever yeah i'm right there with you yeah. 
I love how he immediately takes it as something else. <laughs> Do not touch Willie. Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. And he proceeds to, then at that point, he turns up the temperature all the way up to the red zone. Yeah. And we pan down to the, the furnace, which is kicking on with huge flames where Willie just happens to be sitting by playing his bagpipes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because who doesn't sit next to the furnace <laughs> playing bagpipes? <laughs> Furnace what? is a good place for bagpipes, just an inch away from making them useful as yeah. firewood. <laughs> yeah. Not that he, you know, that he doesn't have a shed to do that in. Right. <laughs> good point. Yeah. So at this point, I think this starts probably my second point of run of jokes that I like out of this. Yep. It's, it's pretty good. As he's reaching for the doorknob, I cut to Skinner with the, I, I guess you would call it a PTA, and they're Moving to the next budget item, which is $12 for doorknob repair. Cut back, doorknob falls off. Yes. So really starts reaching for a fire extinguisher, cut back to skitter. Charge fire extinguishers. uh, Now this is a free service of the fire department. Cut back to Willie as an empty fire extinguisher. Yep. (laughs) So so then Willie finally bursts out of the boiler room. I guess he just kicked the door down. Um, Stomps into the PTA meeting, screaming for help. Where Skinner tells him, sorry, Mr. Van Houten has the floor. Uh, I, for one, would like to see the cafeteria menus in advance, so parents can adjust their dinner menus accordingly. Uh, I don't like the idea of Millhouse having two spaghetti meals in one day. (laughs) (laughs) That's his concern. (laughs) And that's, you know, so much concern that they have to make Willie wait till he burns into nothing but a fiery skeleton. Right. And vouches Still to get with his beard and mustache. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Everything else burns up except for his hair. That's, <laughs> I love that. It's like a skeletal pirate. So Willie vouches to get them, um, to get their get them back through their children where they can't protect them in their dreams. At this point, Lisa points out that that means they can never. Uh, the, the the next time they fall asleep, they could die. <laughs> and Grandpa with a great Grandpa line. Hey, welcome to my world. <laughs> immediately falls asleep. Oh, yeah, I love Grandpa. Yeah. So we see Lisa and Bart and Maggie sitting on the couch. They're trying trying to stay awake. Lisa hands Maggie a can of Buzz Cola with a, a bottle nipple on it. She reaches for her coffee. Um, Buzz Cola, decide- a product you can get at Springfield, USA, Universal Studios. That's right. <laughs> Quick plug. <laughs> but you can't get it in a can. No, no. Fortunately. Oh, Kevin was very disappointed that you couldn't get bottles of Duff and bring it home. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I yeah. was disappointed about that. Well, there were $11 bottles, though, if you were able to. So, eh, still be worth it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll still do it. So, Bart and Lisa, at that point, they decide there's no way they can't continue like that. Um, they're going to have to do something. So, Bart decides he's going to go into his dream and force Willie to a final showdown. And uh, Lisa will have to stay awake to make sure if he's in any danger to wake him up. So, but she makes him promise that he won't be grouchy when she wakes him up. Right. Yeah. Which is every kid's concern, everybody's concern when they wake somebody up. Mm-hmm. So he meets Willie. His, his dream is pretty much on the a playground or the backyard. But Willie shows up as a giant tractor and uh, he's able to trick Willie into getting stuck into the sandbox. So he gets in the sandbox and he gets stuck and he's, he's getting stuck in the sinky sand. <laughs> as Willie calls it. 
and as he's sinking, he starts turning into like various objects. Um, what, there was a tank and a oh, shoot. Now I forget what the other one was. A rocket. I know one yes. was a rocket. Like an elephant. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. That's right. yep. Elephant. That's what it was. So he sinks, and Bart goes back to his regular dream, which is him and Krusty uh, winning the Super Bowl. And as him and Krusty are discussing their next play, Willie starts to come back up out of the sandbox as a giant bagpipe spider. Krusty sees it over his shoulder, tells Bart to never dream about him again. It yeah. takes all. Lisa shows up, says, oh, Bart, oh, my God, Bart, you're in trouble. Wait, you need to wake up. In which Bart points out, if you're here, you're sleeping, too. So they get in trouble. Willie's got each one of them. Bart hopes that she gets reincarnated as someone who can stay awake for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, Maggie shows up, puts her pacifier in the air, air pipe of the, the bagpipe, blocks up, and uh, Willie ends up exploding into a million little pieces. Um, as they wake up, uh, they're waking up stretching, they go outside. Lisa is a little a skeptic and feels that Willie could probably could show up at any time. At, at that moment, a bus pulls up, drops Willie off. Stop! I left my gun on the seat! Hey! Wait here, please. They see him running after the bus. They put in like some Benny Hillish music and he's, he's running off. <laughs> His shoe comes off. Yeah, yeah he loses that shoe. <laughs> Turns around, looks at it, starts running again. So that's a. It's definitely that one's a top, one of the top ones on my list. Oh yeah, I love yeah, it. Absolutely. I I love the theme of it with the Nightmare on Elm Street um, and the whole uh, not not uh, not dream sequence. The uh, uh, backflash or flashback, backflash. Yeah, the Flash, flashback. Backflash. Telling the story, uh, and all the gags that are in that. I just this one's on the top. I I would still give this one a five out of five because this is a, a must watch almost every year at, at Halloween time mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think this might be the second best Treehouse of Horror segment ever. Honestly, hmm. I mean, I have no complaints about it. This this is just awesome. And watching it now for the show to really look at it, there's like I finally saw something noticed something i never noticed before that made me that gave me a new laugh and it's that at the school meeting all the parents are sitting at the kids uh, desk with their knees up in the air yeah uh, i never noticed that before to watching for this show so i got a new laugh out of it i yeah. just this is it's it's true to the material it's paradising but it's still yes. funny really clever yeah. the willy like the build up to it has a has a really good uh, like pop at the end, not even a button, well, maybe a button, either or, but it's a, the whole yeah. build up to he's going to come back worse than ever. And it's like the complete opposite of what you're expecting. Yeah. It just gets worse for him, for him, Willie, yes. as yeah. it closes out is awesome. And it is, it is a five out of five, no question. Five out of five rake forks. I'll call this <laughs> one. I love this one. Uh, I, I'm going to go with five out of five in this one also. Um, I, I, I really love that animation in the beginning. Um, where they cartooned it up even more, and I, I, I thought they did a great job with the skeletal version. Um, when when you know he was burst into flames, and then all of a sudden he's a skeleton. I thought that that came out really well. Um, one of my favorite little throwaway lines in it is when um, when they're in the Bart's dream, 
And Krusty's saying, okay, Bart, we got to win the big game. And he starts explaining this massive, massive plan to win the big game. And he goes, well, some people call it a forward pass. And then it just like, it just gets completely missed. Like he spends 10 <laughs> minutes explaining this play and it's just past the ball. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I love this episode. It's definitely, you know, one of those, you know, even for being as late in the, in the series as it is, it's definitely one of those classic Halloween ones, you know, mm-hmm. you know, lately we've been finding a lot less in the Halloween and a lot more in just like, you know, pop culture. And this one definitely hits that, that scary mark. Yeah. And Martin's death is just a oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. This one is damn near perfect. If it wasn't for one more that we hadn't gotten to yet in this series, it would be perfect. But yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. Which, <laughs> speaking of which, we don't know if we're getting to it or not. So, Derek, you're up. What do we got for this episode? Uh, probably not that one. Okay. But <laughs> another one that I, I think is really quite good. Uh, I went with the Shinning for this ah. episode. All right. Uh, I figured save the best for last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very happy about that decision. Uh, so Shinning came from Treehouse of Horror five from season six, and it aired the day before Halloween back in 1994. Uh, so you got a little pre Halloween treat. Uh, obviously this is a spoof on the shining. Um, but you know, we don't want to get sued. Right. So we had to call it the shinning. Um, so, a little side note before this one even starts is apparently when doing my research, I found out that Matt Groening had never actually seen The Shining. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. So this was one that they had been pushing for a while. And he's like, I don't know that it's going to be, you know, good, you know, because he had never seen the movie. So so that's a little odd, but, you know, we'll go with it. Sure. Um, the episode starts out with the long and winding road up to the hotel and it flashes Tuesday on the screen. Well, it was a long trip. But we're almost there. Homer, did you remember to lock the front door of the house? Don't! You get another flash on the screen and it says Wednesday. And Homer says, well, now it's been two long trips, but we're finally almost there. When you locked the front door, did you remember to lock the back door? Don't, don't! And they go back again. Finally, it says Thursday. And they're driving and they're driving. And you can tell that Homer's infuriated by this. Everybody looks exhausted. And Lisa pipes up and goes, (gasps) Oh, no! We left Grandpa back! at the gas station what about grandpa (laughs) nothing (laughs) nothing so they eventually get to the hotel they pull up and they all hop out of the car bouncing all over the place and burns looks at smithers and goes look my sea monkeys are here (laughs) and just acknowledges the fact that they're you know joyous and happy and smithers is like no 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 those those are the caretakers for the hotel and he goes oh okay well and then he threw in the they work hard, they play hard line, which in a later uh, later episode is is quite a great line. Um, so Burns starts walking them through the mansion to give them the tour, uh, tells them that the house was built on an ancient Indian burial ground, that it was the setting of satanic rituals, witch burnings and five John Denver Christmas specials. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Yes, to which Homer shudders and goes, oh, John Denver. Um, One of my favorite and most quoted scenes, uh, Burns gets into the elevators and the door opens and just a barrel of blood comes flying down, flooding over their feet. And Burns looks and goes, "Hmm, that's odd. Usually the blood gets off at the second floor. Which... I, I, I can't tell you how many elevators I've been in at shows and stuff and, and, and have uttered that line. So um, we cut to Willie uh, outside 
tending to a giant hedge and all of a sudden you hear chainsaws and you see a giant circle being cut in the hedge right next to him. Bart pops out and they pan over and you can just see this wall of circles that Bart has cut. And he says, hey, I figured out a shortcut through your head's maze. <laughs> Willie gets pissed off and starts thinking about, you know, killing the killing the kid. And then he goes, ah, no, his father's going to kill him. You know, he's going to grind him up and turn him into haggis. And he's thinking this and Bart goes, well, what's haggis? And that's where Re- Willie realizes that Bart has the shinning. The shinning. You've got the shinning. You mean shining. Shh. You want to get sued? So Willie basically tells him, listen, if you get in trouble, just just think to me and I'll, I'll come a running. But don't do it between four and five because it's Willie's time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he doesn't take his own advice. No. Don't yeah. touch Willie. Yeah. No, oh. he's a big fan of that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did you guys do a best of five with Chris before we got on this call? Yeah, What's right. going on? <laughs> Sorry. Uh Maybe she and Chris have the sh- the shinning. Yeah. Oh God, no. <laughs> oh God. No. <laughs> so uh, Smithers and Burns are getting ready to leave so for the for the uh, the winter, and they cut the cable and they load all the beer into the back of the truck into the back of the car. And something just continuity that I noticed is when they were far away and the trunk was open, there was nothing on the hood of the trunk. <laughs> and then when they get closer to it, there's a spare tire under the hood of the trunk. Then when they close it, there's a spare tire on the hood of the truck. <laughs> so just continuity. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, how many damn tires do they have? <laughs> so so while they're getting ready, you know, Burns says, Yes, by cutting off cable TV and the beer supply, I can ensure an honest winter's work out of those low lights. Sir, did you ever stop to think that maybe it was doing this that caused the previous caretakers to go insane and murder their families? Hmm, perhaps. Tell you what, we come back and everyone slaughtered. I owe you a Coke. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it's a big bet. Right. Um, so it doesn't take very long for Homer to realize that there is no cable and there is no beer. And he snaps at the family and yells at them and goes, you know what? I, I, I'm going to go look at that axe collection. And he walks off. Uh, Lisa looks at Marge and says, Mom, is dad going to kill us? We're just going to have to wait and see. <laughs> she Something about Marge I noticed in this episode is that she's very nonchalant. Like, through the whole episode, she's like, nothing seems to really freak her out too much. Right, yeah, you're you right. Know, she gets the one big scare later, but otherwise she's she freaks out and then she's real chill about it, which is weird. But Yeah. Um, so, Homer walks into the bar scene, which is uh, very famous from the movie, and a ghost of Mo shows up. <laughs> So, what'll it be, Homer? Mo, give me a beer. No, not unless you kill your family. Why did I kill my family? Uh, they'd be much happier as ghosts. You don't look too happy. Oh, I'm happy. I'm very happy. La, 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 see? Now, where's your family? I'll give you a beer. I, I do have to quick say here that Mo scene, because it's my personal favorite. I know it's not. There's another scene, I think, that is like the entire fan community's favorite but that is my favorite because i have quoted it i have many times said i'm happy i'm very happy Tra la 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 there <laughs> i have said that many times in my life yeah <laughs> I, I i really like that scene just because of the scenery that they did yeah. i mean they they did such a good job of remaking that house from from the shining right, I mean, it's, right. it's really really great eye on detail there uh so the next scene is the one I believe you're talking about. Marge is in the library mm-hmm. and says, 
uh, sees the typewriter sitting on the table and she says, you know, what, what he's typed will be a window into his madness. And she looks at it and just says, feeling fine. Yeah. <laughs> so she, you know, takes a deep breath and all of a sudden a giant bolt of lightning hits and all over the walls is, as everybody listening to this knows, no TV and no beer make Homer go crazy. Mm-hmm. So she's spinning around and getting freaked out by this. And she goes, well, this is less encouraging. <laughs> uh, this is when Homer bursts in and gives his favorite, uh, his, his most quoted line of, uh, uh, what do you think, Marge? All I need is a title. I was thinking along the lines of no TV and no beer make Homer something, something. Go crazy? Don't mind if I do! I, I, I mean, I, as best as I can guarantee, I, I would be sure this, this line is not only a Simpsons line, but it's like a pop culture, American pop culture line. Oh, I, sure. I'd guarantee there's someone out there that's quoted this and not realizing they're quoting the Simpsons. Oh, sure. Oh, I'm, sure I'm, yeah. I'm sure you could pretty much walk into a room and <laughs> yeah. yell no beer and no TV and the rest of the crowd would yell <laughs> go crazy. You're probably yeah. right. Yep. <laughs> uh, so Marge is uh, Homer starts chasing Marge and she runs over to a glass container that says uh, break glass in case of spousal insanity. Yeah. <laughs> I love that gag. I, it's so great. I kind of want one for the house. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and she starts chasing Homer with a bat, and he's yelling and screaming at her, makes a scary face, and turns to his left and sees a mirror and scares himself. Falls down the stairs, and uh, Marge throws him in the cooler. Um, at this point, she looks at him, and this is part of that whole, you know, she's way too chill in this episode. She throws him on the ground and says, you stay here until you calm down. And then she turns and goes, hmm, chili would be good tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they cut to a little bit later and Homer's just got a pile of food on the floor in the cooler and he's eating and he's eating and Moe's pounding on the door going, come on, you got to kill your family. You got to kill your family. He's like, I can't kill now. I'm eating. Leave me alone. <laughs> so Moe opens up the door and him and all the universal monsters yes. show up. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, it was great. I mean, you know, there you got your Freddy Krueger again. Um, they drag, they drag Homer out and say, okay, now it's time to go. So of course, in the the uh, mockery of The Shining, he bursts through the first door and yells, Here's Johnny! Don't! And nobody's in the room, so he goes, Don't! And moves on. Uh, the second door, and this is one of my favorite lines of the whole episode, <laughs> is he bursts through the second door going, David Letterman! Hi, David! I'm Grandpa! Don't! And, and again, another thing that that passed me over for so many years until we sit in and, and do these for these reviews. It's like, Oh, he must've walked from the gas station yeah. and just yeah. arrived. Yeah. Never he dawned just on got me. There with his yeah. luggage. <laughs> like, Oh, uh, look, grandpa made yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the final door, he does the whole 60 minutes routine and I'm, I'm yeah. you could put a clip in if you want, yeah. cause I can't remember all of that. <laughs> I'm Mike Wallace. I'm Wally Schaefer and I'm Ed Bradley. All this and Andy Rooney tonight on 60 Minutes. Well, I actually wrote it down because I wanted to look something up and Mike Wallace dead, Morley Schaefer dead, died this May, Ed Bradley dead and Andy Rooney dead, thus making that <laughs> reference completely dated. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought one of them had to be alive and the closest one was Morley Schaefer, but no, he died in May. So all four of those 60 Minutes anchors he mentioned all dead since this airing. 
I, I honestly, I don't remember ever seeing 60 Minutes. I know I know what it was, exactly, but, yeah. I'm yeah. Not but sure it was anyone, like that in 2020. It was just not something that I ever really I'm watched. I'm not sure anyone actually watches 60 Minutes. It's just on because everyone remembers it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he finally he bursts in that third door and the family's there. So they all scream and start running. Uh, Marge goes to the uh, the radio to f- call the police and gets on the on the radio and goes, Hello, police. This is Marge Simpson. My husband is on a murderous rampage. Over. Oh, well, thank God that's over. I was right there for a second. That's a great bit. Yeah. That is so funny. It's just it's just a perfect little bit. Yep. Of wig, you exactly. know, I mean, you, th- that's exactly his attitude <laughs> in everything he does. Um. So so they're they're being chased around and and Bart decides okay I'll call Willie so he he uses his shinning to call Willie who's laid up in his bunk uh, with a Scottish lady over his bed and watching the news and he starts running and he throws his portable TV out in the snow as he's running I don't know why but it you know leads the story along so let's go with it. Um, he shows up in the house and this is the first of the three segments. And this is the first Willie gag of all three segments. He goes, all right, you crazy man, show me what you can do. And Homer puts an ax right in his back. Yeah. So as he falls and hits the ground, here's another great mar- Marge line of, Oh no, I hope that rug was scotch guarded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Homer chases the family around. They finally get outside and Lisa finds Willie's little portable TV throws it in front of Homer's face. And Homer says another line that I've quoted way too many times. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Television teacher, mother secret lover. <laughs> and his urge to kill starts to fade away, uh, rises back for a quick second and then completely fades to nothing. Um, you get a, a nice little bong sound and pan back and they're all frozen together. And, it's coming on that the Tonys are coming on next, but they're all frozen. So nobody can change the channel. And it just ends with Homer mutter- muttering to himself. Urge to kill rising. And that's the end of the, uh, the segment. Um, this is easily one of my most quoted episodes. Um, and I make a point to watch it every year for the holiday and just sometimes randomly. Um, I, I don't know. Let's give it five axes. Access through the door. There you go. I, when you picked this and I got it ready to watch, I thought I didn't like this one, but I think I figured out what it is about this that made me feel that way. It's not that I don't like it. It's that in this episode, weakest is a weird word. It's the weakest of the three, but there's such three good segments that Mm -hmm. one has to be the the least, least strong, I guess is a better way to say it. Watching it on its own is a completely different way to watch it than watching this episode. And I loved it. So it, it was just, it's like, it's that's, it was just the misconception of this being the one I like least of the three, making me think I don't like it. I don't, I love it. It was great. Watching it alone is a perfect way to watch it. And the, uh, the, um, lots of good gags that we just talked about. I quote the ghost Mo thing, the scene, making the, uh, connection of grandpa arriving from the gas station is a new thing too. And it's, yeah, this is, this is great. I'm glad uh, I was kind of, we did this the way we did it and not watch, did, did whole 
episode reviews and did these segments because this actually made me realize how much I actually do like this. And watching it out of context of the entire episode makes it much more enjoyable. I'm not waiting to get through it so I can get to the next one and then the one after that. So, yeah, really good. I like this one a lot, and it's definitely a five out of five axes for me, too. Yeah, I have to agree, um, Matt, with what you said. It It's not it, – it's an – Oh, it's a great segment, but yeah, you're right. It's probably like the uh, like weakest, not weakest of the three segments from that episode because this is just a killer season. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but I think uh, I didn't notice how much I probably quoted from this. Um. Because I'll walk down the the aisle of a at the grocery store, and every time I pass by the cans of chili, I'm like, oh, chili, that'd be good tonight, and I keep walking, <laughs> and not even thinking that it's from that segment until I watched it again. It's like, oh, that's where I got that. And I say the no TV and no beer make Homer something something all the time. Oh yeah, um, you can't not when you go somewhere and they don't have good beer. <laughs> yeah, and, true. And no TVs or something. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, five. X's out of five for me too. This it's another one, just like uh, the last one. It's it's a must watch every every Halloween season, and and like and and then some. Yeah, I'll watch it in March. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or March episode. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. That is it for this episode. We have three more to go, and one more episode for the short run series podcast of horrors, and it's going to be released on. Halloween itself, so it's kind of our send-off to our entire Halloween celebration, our send-off for our mini-series. So, uh, one more to go. So, Derek, Karen, thank you for once again joining me for this. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you. And until that next and final episode, I will say to everyone, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in that next episode.